again, I, I don't know. This could be a short episode because um, really, what's there to say? I mean, a lot of us just repeating how much fucking hate this shit. All right. Hate is a strong word, but also it's just, oh my god, cringe after cringe, I think this episode gave me. I know. The faces I think I made. I literally didn't even watch it until just now. It was right before we started recording that I watched it. Oh, wow. I, I just, I don't want to. I don't want to anymore. You hold a me. I know. And like, I get it now because I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. Yeah, it gets to a point. It's taken me this long to get to this point, which I feel like is That's impressive pretty good. in some yeah. way. <laughs> but... At the same time, I'm mad at the show that I'm this frustrated that I don't even want to watch the last. Like, we've made it this far, and I still want to quit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's crazy because you you will watch live. So to not watch live, it's definitely harder to just put it on at that point. Anytime after it's Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, we keep saying, like, we're almost done, but it feels like it's never ending. I know, and I think... Because we're, I'm always thinking like an episode in the future. Mm. I'm always thinking about like next week and whatever. So I was thinking about, I was like, oh, wow, next week's episode is episode 18. There's only three mm-hmm. left. But we still haven't even like finished recording about episode 17 at this point. Right, exactly. Like that hasn't been. So we are, we have four left technically. Yes. Which makes right. it feel And that so sounds much worse. Longer. Yeah. <laughs> sounds worse. <gasps> it hurts. Oh, no. This is I Hate It. Let's watch it. I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. It's one last return of the Pussycats before we say goodbye for good. Josie McCoy makes an appearance in good old Riverdale, but in this timeline, she's a Broadway actress slash up-and-coming Hollywood starlet looking for a big break with her newest project, a movie musical starring herself. Veronica jumps on board to help her throw an extra special premiere event at the Babylonium to make a spectacular first impression, and surprisingly, she pulls it off, though not without a few hiccups. Continuing with this episode's theme of inspiration, Betty inadvertently gets a peek at Cheryl and Tony's boudoir photos and uses the opportunity to admit to Cheryl that she is the teenage mystique and is looking to publish a book based on what she has learned from the experience. Cheryl offers to do a similarly sexy photo shoot with Betty for her cover art and also lends a helping hand, so to speak, to get Betty started on her masturbation self-discovery journey. In an attempt to get around the latest comic book restrictions, Jughead is inspired by Veronica, of all people, to invent the character of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but it still gets rejected by big comics, and we're back to square one. And speaking of squares, Archie uses a public poetry reading to make a pass at Mrs. Grundy, but she deflects and tells him to focus on writing about his painful emotions instead. He drafts a poem about his dad, but Uncle Frank blows a gasket when he finds it, believing it is somehow disrespectful to Fred's memory. We're not so sure about that, but we are sure that we're getting close to the end here and it can't come soon enough okay well where do you want to start where do i want to start again it's massive cringe across the board i think the most massive cringe is archie oh my god so if we want to start there yeah let's (laughs) let's get this out of the way because just when i thought his facial expressions towards things was the worst (laughs) thing he then opens his mouth and it's really not good i have to say i feel like this is the time where i have been able to view him as a teenager the most because this poetry is the kind of crap that i used to write back in high school too so it tracks for me right it's finally coming together and making sense yeah so basically Basically, Archie comes back to Grundy with a poem that he wrote after his little threesome with Twyla Twist and Reggie. And she's like, this is amazing. You've keep grown doing, overnight. Yeah, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, sir. And he was like, aye, aye. And he goes back to Twyla Twist and is like, I'm ready for more. And she's like, oh, I'm not your girlfriend, kid. I am a sex worker slash pedophile. And... <laughs> 
And then Archie's like, well, that's a bummer. And she gives him the idea. She's like, I'm sure there's like some other cougar in Riverdale that would love to take a bite out of your apple. Yeah. yeah. So then Archie takes this into his demented, immature, twisted little brain and is like, oh, I'll just find the next most attractive adult in Riverdale and hit on them. And that person happens to be Mrs. Grundy. So he writes a poem about her and invites her to hear him read it at the dark room. And this was not only for KJ Appa to actually read it and not break down while reading it, because just watching their reactions alone, I would have crawled up into a ball and died. Yeah, there didn't seem to be any recognition that what he was reading was bad or inappropriate, shall we say, because I wouldn't say that the metaphors were thinly veiled. It was very clear what he was talking. He's like a student looking for an education. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, you're making it way too obvious. (laughs) Yeah, it it was it was not the best piece to read out loud in front of a group of people. No. And then he takes the bite out of the apple. Oh my god. He he bit off way more than he can chew, which I don't know is also supposed to be a metaphor. Maybe. He was like, oh shit, I shouldn't have taken in this big of a bite. I can't get it. <laughs> can't finish it. Did somebody make a comment about that though? I'm not remembering, but I feel like somebody oh, made a comment so. about how much he chewed off that apple. Justice for apples everywhere. Seriously, like that poor apple. And Miss Grundy, Mrs. Grundy, excuse me, she's mm-hmm. married here, which is the only reason why she's not a pedophile in the 50s. Yep. She runs out of there clearly mortified. And then when Archie comes to her, he's like, so uh, we didn't get to talk about my poem the other <laughs> night. And she's like, oh, yeah, weird. It's almost like I carefully orchestrated that so we wouldn't have a conversation about it. And she's like, maybe you should redirect and start writing poetry about your pain you know you've got a lot of angst as a teenager just tap into some of that for a change so Archie makes an attempt to do this by writing about his dad and this was sad this this pissed me off a lot actually I I don't understand it I didn't understand and there was a point where Uncle Frank was like do you understand and I was like can you say No. no because I would like him I would like you to explain more I don't get where this was coming from Uncle Frank comes across it and then he basically says to Archie like this is exploitative. Yes. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even yeah, like, mean? He's not even submitting it for profit. He's just writing about it. <laughs> like, it's, it's basically like, like he... a diary and you're pulling an Alice right now because you didn't stumble upon it. You fucking went right. snooping in his room. Yeah. And he's writing about his dad and his pain. Like he explained that he's like, we were supposed to write something about pain. Clearly, Uncle Frank needs fucking therapy because this just... Oh, yeah, for sure. blew everything out of the water for him. It was such a weird... It was such a weird reaction. Mm -hmm. And it's not the objection that I was expecting. No. Because he's like, it was okay to write poems to get girls. Like, I'm cool with that. But what is this? And it's just... So I kind of thought it was going to hit that angle of masculinity. Mm -hmm. Men don't write poems. Men don't feel emotions. Men don't feel anything. And it was weird that he went that route of like, this is disrespectful to your father's memory. It's like, how? (laughs) I don't... Yeah. It made no sense. I don't get it. And then it's like, okay, Dawn, are you thinking too much into it? Because it is Riverdale. Oh, no. What are you doing? No, just like maybe it was his own. Like he read it and he just being this toxic male, you know, counterpart that I don't know. We didn't see coming this entire season, but he just 
I think maybe after reading it, his emotions got a little out of whack. And then once he saw Archie, he's like, okay, now I got to man up and just kind of like let him have it. My angst and emotion from this situation and losing my brother and yada yada, like I'm feeling it, but I don't want to show Archie that I'm feeling that. I would have taken that same perspective on it if his objections to it had been more targeted towards be a man and men don't cry. I would have understood that more. I just don't understand the reasoning, the the whole disrespectful thing that he stated as the reason. Yeah. I think that was kind of strange. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. Apparently Archie's going to give up on poetry, I guess maybe. Yeah. And that was like, that was the end of the episode. So they made it like one of those like weird cliffhanger type of things where it's like, it wasn't eh. even really a cliffhanger. No, it, it was wasn't. Like, it was a weird right. thing to end on. I felt like. And we'll but, probably okay. not address this in any significant way, but okay. Thanks. So let's see what, what next, where shall we go next? Um, do we want to talk about Betty? Okay. I kind of loved this for Betty. I did too. I thought her and Cheryl and their whole like friendship, the inspiration, because let's just say that this episode, the theme here was inspiration Mm -hmm. and everybody's inspiring everybody else to do whatever the fuck. So Betty has decided that she's going to write a book based on her feedback and experiences running this teenage mystique newsletter thingy yeah so she bumps into cheryl in the hallway and cheryl is carrying all the (laughs) developed photos of her and tony maybe keep a lid on those a little Mm -hmm. bit more securely but they spill like all over the floor and betty sees one of them like vividly making out and she's like oh what's this and cheryl's like i'm loving this right now (laughs) yeah cheryl is like okay well like i could try to make something up but at the same time you got me you got me good And basically confesses that she and Tony are going steady. And that prompts Betty to confess to her that she is the teenage mystique. And Cheryl's like, oh, my God, I love the teenage mystique. Yeah, she got very fangirly all of a sudden. Yeah, it was cute and nice and supportive. And I just love this version of Cheryl. And it gets so upset because... That's what she should have been in season five, but whatever. So Cheryl basically says, if you're looking for help with your book, we can do this kind of a photo shoot for you and get some cover art for your novel. And Betty's like, oh, fuck yes. So they set up this little sexy photo shoot and Cheryl's going to (laughs) Cheryl wants her to pick her favorite so she can paint it and get more of a stylistic approach to it and again like very nice like women supporting women yeah and like nobody being judgy or preachy or whatever which is very very nice to see between the two of them and especially like at first Cheryl was hesitant because obviously this isn't something like you see every day in the 50s but immediately I'm like oh please Betty's the last person that's going to judge you right yeah Betty good wants Betty. to see people hooking up that's all she wants she wants everybody to have sex <laughs> which and let me tell you Cheryl informs Betty that well, inspires not, her oh yes <laughs> that if you can't get some All you need is your hand. And let me tell you, Betty's going to get a cramp in that hand. Seriously, it's it's interesting because she said she read about masturbation in the Kingsley sex book that she read earlier in their season, but it wasn't a how-to manual. But I'm actually surprised that she didn't just start experimenting from there. yeah. Yeah, it's really not that hard. Like, I didn't read a book. To figure out how no. to masturbate. I don't even really remember how I how how I learned. I think it was like for me it was like fuzzy porn back in the day. 
you just figure it out at some point. Yeah. So I'm surprised that reading it didn't inspire her to just start like shoving things up there. But <laughs> she Cheryl gives her this, you know, the their lesbian playboy or whatever mm-hmm. and is like, here, this will teach you how to do it. Go sit in a bathtub with the door locked and go to town, which is exactly what Betty does. And I really hope that she had like a good four or five orgasms before she went to bed that night. Yeah, I hope so. I do find it funny, though, that they only relate it to like the bathtub. Yeah. You could only do it in the bathtub. And it's like, right. Oh, no, yeah, not Charles, really. like, all you need is the bathtub and a bathroom with a locking door. And it's like, actually, all you need is a room with a locking door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be in water. Like, we like don't you, have to yeah, do you don't even need a bed. It's more comfortable if you have yeah. one. But like, it could literally be an empty room as long as the door has a lock on it. You can get the job done. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just a nice, you know, atmosphere to have the bathtub. Especially yeah, she did make it a nice. Yeah, Riverdale has like a, an unlimited candle budget. So yes. the the candles were fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they had um a lot of leftovers from when uh, they seduced Archie in the shop. That was a fire hazard. That was bad. <laughs> what that was. <laughs> but yeah, so that whole storyline was very nice. It was a nice little pick me up. I did love their banter and I just wish it was like that all the time. I know. Like, what is stopping? I, I don't know. Uh, I, hate, I hate it. I hate it so much. Now, the next, the next two that we're going to talk about are, I think they, they end up just intertwining, so it'll probably be the yeah the gist of the rest of the episode, but Jughead and Veronica. Why are we doing this? He had it right, right in the beginning. He's like, so yes. how do we do this? I, you walk in first, I walk like five feet behind you, like that kind of right. thing. And she's like, no, we can hold hands or whatever. And then the looks they got, I was like, good, good. I hope it deters them because this is horrible. No, you're right. And even Betty, she kind of does this over the shoulder like, what the fuck is that? This is like (laughs) not good. I don't like it. It's so weird. And I will say I did love Veronica's dress. It was not appropriate school attire, but I did love it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lot to force them as a couple. It's one thing if they're just kind of into each other and they like hook up every once in a while, but for them to make this entrance to the high school as being together and then Veronica's like, wow, like so many people were staring and it's just like, fuck you like right it wasn't exactly a people good don't thing. care yeah they're looking at you like that's new but it's not like oh my god look at veronica and jughead we cannot get over this like get over yourself mm-hmm. hate her so much <sighs> so that that was that part of it oh yeah and, and that's what leads to the comic book because yeah. she says to him I haven't had that many people staring at me until I came to school in my sexy witch costume. And then Jack is like, sexy witch costume? And his little boner comes up. And Veronica's like, oh, does that turn you on? He's like, obviously. And then it kind of gives him the idea for a new comic book character, uh-huh. Veronica, the teenage witch. And he draws this little sketch of her in a sexy little outfit on a broom And is like, I'm going to pitch this to Pep Comics because it's totally pure, good, clean fun. And they have will have no choice but to accept it. Yeah, well, they don't. Fieldstone was very good at his his honest opinion about it. He's like, dude, I don't hate it. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't make certain changes, they're really going to like tell you. no. They were like, cover her up. Uh Her boobs are out. You need to cover her up. Also, make her blonde. Dark hair, I guess, implies a sultry, sexy, yeah, yeah, 
whatever. And same thing with her name. He's like, you got to change the name. Veronica is too sexy. And it's like, all right. Stop giving her all this credit. God Somebody damn. with a major boner for Veronica wrote this episode because <laughs> it is not accurate. It is not true to life. So he goes back to the drawing board to Veronica. And she's like, well, that just makes a lot of sense that they think I'm way too sexy of a character. And it's just like, mm, fuck you. God, yeah. <laughs> shut shut up. up. Nobody needed her to have a bigger ego. And here we are. So obviously Jughead makes the expected tweaks and they decide to rename the character Sabrina. They make her a half witch and they change her outfit, the short blonde hair. We all saw where this was going. Yeah. But big comics or whatever the fuck they call them now, they reject. Yeah, because they still think the it's like satanic anyway. worship and all that. Right. Yeah, they heard Bust witch it. and they went for the pitchforks, as Mr. Fieldson says. Then what was the point of this? Right. Like what if they were going to denounce it because it was witch in the first place and they still kept witch. I think which is the problem, which is the problem. Right. Fundamentally, this idea is donezo. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, why even have this? Like, why? Why did we go through all this? What was the point of that? Was it literally just to be like, I, I, uh, this is oh, Sabrina. Sabrina. Yeah. Jughead invented Sabrina, the teenage witch, and based it on Veronica. Like, fuck you. No, Basically. that's not that's not how it happened. You can go to hell. <sighs> We're not done with the comic stuff, apparently, so no. I guess, I don't know. I will, I do like the nod that Jughead gave to Ethel, because when Veronica commented on his drawing, she's he's like, I'm no Ethel Muggs, and I thought that was very sweet. Sure, even though he spent several episodes leading her on and is now, like, shacking up with Veronica and I know. drawing sexy witch sketches about her, so. But, uh. <laughs> I'm just glad Ethel didn't have to see any of this. No, she's living her <laughs> she's life gone. now. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're done with her. She's Miss Teen. She drove off she's, into the She's probably the sunset. off, yeah. In her new car that she won off to college, meeting with diplomats and stuff to tell people all about her murdered parents. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Bon voyage, Ethel. So that's one layer of what's going on with Veronica. Yeah. And then the other is involving a visit from our favorite not main character of the show. Yeah. Josie McCoy of the Pussycats. But not here. She's not a pussycat here. No. She is an actress. Yeah. And actually, so she she does a number at the dark room after Archie to fucking save that whole evening. And it's a weird, it's almost like Tony's performance earlier in the season. Yeah. So it she gets uh fangs to play the bongos. I found that and- so funny because well, first of all, Josie comes to town and <laughs> Santa Claus is yeah. coming. <laughs> um and goes straight to the Babylonium. And again, we're giving Veronica a big head here. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing I've heard good- about your theater. Uh, like, fuck, uh, you know you have Gross. <laughs> and then she does a screening of a movie that is based on the Broadway show that she was in. Mm-hmm. Or the play she was in that won her a Tony. And she screens it for Veronica and Kevin and Clay as well. And they love it. And they're like, this is great. So... She's back at school, and here we go again. <laughs> Something, the one thing that I have to admit has been consistent this whole season. Tony comes up to Veronica and says, Oh, little birdie told me that Josie McCoy's in town, and you know, thanks, <laughs> man. If he, he doesn't you get know, famous, he, yeah, if he doesn't get famous, he's never gonna see his unborn child again. So, we really need to make sure he we can need make to a get, break. and this, this could be his big break or whatever. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, so then they're at the dark room and Archie does his very scary thing and then <laughs> it's very creepy poetry reading. And then 
yeah, Josie does this again. It was like a kind of like a slam poetry. Yeah. A dramatic reading to bongos. Right. And but she asked Tony, I think Tony either brings it up or Veronica brings it up to her about Fang. And she goes, does he know how to play the bongos? Yeah. And then Veronica goes, oh, he's the best bongo player in <laughs> Riverdale. And I'm like, I didn't know Riverdale needed a bongo player. Yeah. I didn't know there was even a competition about right? the best. Could we have seen that instead of Miss Teen Riverdale? Exactly. Could we have had the best bongo player in Riverdale? The best I mean, bongo I know she player. Was, she was trying to to amp him up to to Josie and and get his name out there. And I mean, how hard is it to play the bongos? Yeah, he but did a great job. I will say he that. did. He did. But I will say that this performance for Josie was sexier than Polly's burlesque performance in the yeah. last episode. Like if she had just started taking off some clothes, it would have been that would have would have been the burlesque performance I think I was expecting from Polly and did not get. Yeah. So she she did a good job. Like I didn't hate it. It's not really my thing, but I don't. It wasn't right. Like it wasn't Archie's the what. Listen, there's been worse things we've watched performed on this show, and that wasn't For really sure. the worst. For sure. So yeah, that's all great. And then they decide she's gonna do a full blown red carpet event. Right, because that's after she goes to a, a meeting of the Black Literary Society at the high school, which we now know where all the black students are. We yes, found we found them. They're all there. They and good for them. I don't know. So, do they just stay in that classroom all the time? I, yes, they're they're only ever in that classroom. Yeah, they, only, they never leave. They don't exist outside of the Black Literary Society. So Josie attends this, and she's you know basically telling people our experiences as Black Americans is all di- are all different, and we all have different but similar struggles. And be yourself, and don't let anybody get you down. Yada yada. And it it, it inspires her basically to say like, okay, I don't want to just do a test screening because that was originally what she wanted. Mm-hmm. I want to just go for it put this out there because people obviously are looking up to me and I'm trying to set the example that you just got to go for it basically and Veronica's like fuck yeah girl I got you and I'm just like oh this is not the person you want to trust with no. the future of and your and it career. drives me insane because she just over promises so much I know yeah it would be one thing if she ever delivered but she has like never once delivered <laughs> And as predicted, we get the full-blown, I mean, there's cameras flashing. She's she does doing the, the whole, like... prints in the cement. <laughs> I mean, in front of... The, they're in Riverdale. Yeah, like, where did right. these people come from? Anyway. It's going to be the only celebrity handprints in the whole side. Right. It's just Josie McCauley. <laughs> so they are about to start the screening, and Veronica, you know, mentions this one head honcho guy, and he walks in with his notebook, and he's going to yes, start taking notes. film critic. For the Wall Beat Journal. Oh, yes, yes. Wall Beat Journal. <laughs> And the film starts, and yet again, real, another film yeah. goes on, up in <laughs> <Explodes>. flames. <laughs> and Veronica on Oh my God. Holy shit. Her she wrath. lost her shit. I was like, she, what the fuck? She's These like, are her you're colors. fired. We're no longer friends. You are the worst screen rollers in the history of screen rollers. And it was just like, oh, okay. And this is exactly what I mean by like Veronica sucks as a business person. Like you got to be able to keep your cool in yeah. these situations because Josie comes up with her and she's just like, okay, everybody relax. Everything's fine. How long is it going to take to fix? And Clay and Kevin were like, well, like maybe five minutes. And she was like, all right, is anybody in here a musician? And 
Veronica's like, well, I guess Fangs is here. So yeah. And she's like, all right, well, we'll just perform a number and everything will be fine. And literally everything was fine, but it was just like, why did Josie have to be the one to walk everybody through that situation so that nobody lost their shit? And it was Josie who was on the line. Right. So for Veronica to flip a shit like that as if yeah. it was her. Those um, roles needed to be reversed, I yeah. think. Yeah. Like, I was, I was like, weird. oh, crap, they're going to, like, tag team on Kevin and Clay, and this is not going to be good. And then once Josie started being, like, all calm and collected, I was like, okay, all right, this is how you do handle things. I actually, I got super mad at Veronica because I was like, like Josie just gave you this really heavy speech about how important it was to make this happen because as, you know, a black woman trying to finance, produce, direct, star in her own project, that's hard and it's going to be hard to convince studios to invest in it. So this meant a lot. And then for for Veronica to just completely lose her mind over it is like, how... Yeah, it was get anything done. (laughs) Yeah. And I just again, it was the over promising. And there was another thing that I I was questioning. Is Josie supposed to be their age or older? That's a good question. She was behaving like she was older. Like she's lived a a ton of lives before. Right. Yeah. Like she's established herself and her career. I think she's supposed to be older. Okay. Nobody knows her outside of her celebrity. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she was once a Riverdale student and she left for greatness and fame and whatever. I think personally, I would assume that she's just older. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that. Cause even when she was talking with the literary society, I was like, yeah, they're like talking her as if she's this older, her actual age, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. By older, we mean 25. Right. Yeah. Or 30. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But, um, fuck, is that it? I think it might be. Did you get to see the preview? I didn't. I just know it's in black and white. Something about the new age of television or something it's called. It's the trailer was confusing because they keep talking and and it's weird because they mentioned it in this episode too where so one thing we didn't finish mentioning about Josie. So once they fix the reel, she does a little musical number Mm -hmm. to distract everybody. They fix the reel. The movie airs. And the film critic is blown away and is like, this is the greatest thing ever. So it's all a big success. But one phrase that they keep using is like, this needs to be an atomic bomb. And I find oh, that yes. a strange phrase to be using in this time period because the atomic bomb had just been dropped in Japan 10 years earlier, roughly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. Did people use that as a figure of speech then for for something like this, which is... Yeah, it was a weird... (laughs) Yeah, because Veronica's reading to Josie, like, the... The review. The review. And it's like, oh, an atomic bomb went off in Riverdale. And I'm like, no, you mean a... They were hit with a comet. But anyway. (laughs) Yes, we're dealing with a different (laughs) explosive disaster. A different explosion. Yeah. So the next episode, there was, again, a lot more talk about atomic bombs and, like, an atomic bomb has gone off in Riverdale, yada, yada. And it's all, like, Cold War type stuff but there's also other bullshit like i think i think i saw in the description that uncle frank is still on archie about his poetry or something like that and so it's it's just weird i don't know i feel like i just saw oppenheimer last week and so for riverdale to be potentially taking on atomic bomb ethics questions or just in general talking about atomic bombs i'm like don't do this oh (laughs) yeah 
It says, <laughs> as the gang gets swept up in paranoia, a new mystery in Riverdale leads Jughead to suspect it may have ties to a string of suspicious murders in town. Archie reconsiders, oh, great. Yeah. Archie reconsiders his future after Uncle Frank gives him a hard time about his poetry. Oh, that's right. So this is when when you had sent me the synopsis of the last episode. The last and, episode. Yes. Which... And then and then I got distracted by this that that description because I was like, are you serious? you're going to come back to the murders that we haven't talked about Mm -hmm. in multiple episodes and suddenly pretend like they cared about them the whole time. Like, fuck you. Fuck you all. And then the week after, episode 19, it says, as the town's past secrets start to bubble to the surface, Jughead and the gang are forced to make a difficult decision that will change their lives forever. So, like, what? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's the decision of whether or not to go back to the the present day. Right, like, do they finally get, like... And we have to. We have to be kind of running down because they did release the description for the finale. Which is going to be interesting. And yeah, and we were trying to kind of parse it out because basically we're dealing with an 86-year-old Betty. Yeah, here's the... In uh, present... Yeah, read the read the. Whole I'll thing. read the thing. Back in present day and longing for her former life in Riverdale, 86-year-old Betty turns to a special friend to help her relive her last day of senior year with her friends as they were, their memories restored. So, I mean... (sighs) It's confusing because if she's 86 years old in the present day, we were talking about this. If she's 86 years old in the present day, then that would mean that this is the Betty from the 50s that has Right, which would mean that they didn't... Yeah, that they didn't have any of the things that we remember happen, but then how could they restore... When she says memories restored, which last day of senior year are they reliving? The one in the 50s or the one... Exactly. Which is why the second to last episode is going to, I guess, tell us. Maybe, yeah, maybe explain how how that works. I I have so little faith in the process. (laughs) Right, because all I could think of is like Tabitha comes. She's like, yo, this is what's going on. Yo, Yo, you're about to die. Would you like to see some of these (laughs) memories from a, a life you don't remember? Because a comet hit Riverdale and I sent everyone back to the 50s. Yeah, it's it's gonna be i'm really curious how they're gonna wrap that up i will say i am curious like i'm done with these bullshitty episodes like yeah. next week is gonna i just want to see the, the fuck finale but the the last two i am more interested in yeah so. and honestly i didn't have an 86 year old betty on my bingo card that's for sure i did not either it doesn't sound like either of us are going to be correct about no. our theories so but once again we both have better endings proposed endings than the one <laughs> yes. we're gonna end up with if they had just listened to our podcast we could have fixed this whole fucking show yeah well let that be a lesson to them (laughs) yes it is gonna be weird once it's over though i will say yeah i think you'll have to go back and do the rewatch because i might have to i mean i've been rewatching fucking everything else these days like it'll be better because it's nostalgic and then after watching the crap that was this season right everything else feels remember how much we hated season six like i feel like i want to go back and rewatch stupid season six because i'm like oh that's just better than this yeah let me i want to hear about palladium again man i I was sick of palladium for a while but palladium i'll take palladium smoke screens Mm -hmm. (laughs) love that yeah uh sodale the sodale project oh wow yeah Listen, I'll I'll take the daddykins. Give me all the daddykins. Give me all the daddykins. I just <laughs> I just hate this. I hate it. Uh, well, we are almost done. done. But yeah, so you know where to find us on uh, 
Twitter and Instagram, and that's where, you know, we post all the updates, so make sure to stay informed. And is there anything you would like to add? Yes. Mm-hmm. Two weeks in a row, very meaningful holidays to me. So August 8th is International Cat Day. Love it. So hug your kitties. Yes. Hug your cats. If they let you. You got to try, right? They're just Right, exactly. They're cute and fuzzy, and what the hell are you supposed to do? And then for all you freaks out there, it's also um, National Sneak Some Zucchini Onto Your Neighbor's Porch Day. So, Well, that's very specific. Right. Yes, it sure is. So if any of you out there are so inclined, sneak some zucchini. I would love it if that actually happened to somebody, and the person that like opened their door and saw it was like, oh, not another year of this. <laughs> or like yeah. just knowing exactly. Is it exactly- that day again? <laughs> Damn it. What day is it? It's August Time flies. Ah, like shit. I, God, another zucchini. That sounds like Riverdale made up that holiday. It's got more imagination than an episode of Riverdale. But... Ooh. Closing. Uh, <laughs> fighting words. Shots fired. Well, until then, that's Endgame. <laughs>